hard to believe this is the 80th QuackCast. I've done 350 Gobbits of Pus and I don't know how many PusCasts. There's a lot of my MP3s floating around the interwebs. But you don't care. You're here for a QuackCast, the 80th QuackCast. This one is called A Seal of Approval. I have never belonged to the AMA, the American Medical Association. As a student, I did not want to pay the dues. As a practicing physician, I am of the opinion that the AMA has two often mutually exclusive goals. One is promoting physician income. The other is optimizing patient care. And I think they are doing both badly. In the 1990s, the AMA entered into a contract with Sunbeam to get a seal of approval for Sunbeam products. But due to objections, the AMA backed out of the deal, in the end costing them almost $10 million. As was noted at the time, quote, I think if we'd gone to trial, probably a lot more relevant information would have been uncovered and made available to the membership. As a result of this settlement, we will never know the truth of what happened. It does not let the sun shine in, end quote. Again, it does give one sympathy for the conspiracy wackaloons. Go AMA. It is probably for good reason that only around 29% of U.S. physicians belong to the AMA. I have never seen them as representing either me or my patients. Whether the AMA or physicians, I am automatically suspicious of any person or institution who puts their seal of approval on a product. I figure they are only doing it for the money. Not that there is anything wrong with that. I am for sale if anyone can meet my price. Really, buy me, somebody. However, trusting in endorsements is like George Carlin's, I think it was George Carlin's, observation that he did not like doing stand-up for stoners since you never knew if it was the act or the dope that led to the laughter. Now, I know that celebrities are paid for their endorsements, it is not a conflict of interest when it is your job to sell a product. At least they say that they only play a doctor on TV. But when medical professionals use their authority to recommend products, well, I would love to see a conflict of interest statement in that recommendation. It's always show me the money. Now, when I give a lecture, I have to mention my conflicts of interest and I need to specifically confirm or deny that I will mention products in which I have a financial interest. The conflict of interest rules are nice, sort of, you know, and they let you know who has an interest in pleasing their corporate masters, although I suspect that most docs don't take the conflict of interest statement seriously. At the IDSA meetings this year, most of their speakers gave their conflict of interest statements with a short dismissive sneer and a roll of the eyes. Me? Biased? Please. Still, if you are going to take recommendations as a consumer, it would be nice to know what direct or, more importantly, indirect compensation is being derived from those recommendations. Now, I know that Dr. Weil is a pitchman for his own food, supplement, and kitchen products. They are all available on his website. So I would take his recommendations no more seriously than if he were promoting Sham Wow on infomercial. I also know, since he sells a rice cooker with fuzzy logic, that he has no sense of irony. The Dr. Oz website does not sell products. 
just advertisements that are certainly a step up from the science-based medicine sidebar. So far be it for me to complain about ad dollars. Although, I bet he gets more money from Weight Watchers than SBM gets from City Chiropractic. Dr. Oz does not support or endorse specific products. He does this so he does not have any conflicts of interest in his advice. The closest to a conflict of interest statement I could find on his website is in the fact. Quote, Can Dr. Oz recommend a specific brand name for medication, supplement, vitamin, or product? Can you tell me where to buy a medication, supplement, vitamin, or product? Dr. Oz does not endorse any brand name or commercial supplier. Check with your physician or healthcare provider before taking any such product. Good for Dr. Oz. It would be nice if there were a bit more transparency beyond the above paragraph, but it would appear that Dr. Oz is sincere in his wish to be free of financial taint, unlike Dr. Weil or Dr. Mercola when making suggestions. So what is worse, the obvious entrepreneur selling a product or the well-intentioned but credulous television t show host? Because Dr. Oz has given his official seal of approval to absolute and total nonsense. And he is evidently doing it for free. I would have more understanding if he were at least selling out. I mean, enough money makes anything legitimate. Quote, Dr. Oz gives his official seal of approval for the remedies, treatments, and foods he's most passionate about. Oz approved alternative therapies. It's a question people ask Dr. Oz all the time. Which alternative health treatments really work? Here are a select few that do. End quote. Huh. Select few. Good. He's not going to recommend nonsense, but a judicious selection after reviewing the medical literature to find the very few alternative therapies that may have some efficacy. And it will be interesting because I don't think any such therapies exist. So let's look at the list. First up, moxibustion for low back pain. Ugh. A swing and a miss. Quote, this ancient remedy involves burning a mugwort, a small spongy herb, to facilitate healing. Moxa is applied to the acupuncture needles placed in the lower back and then lit, which results in a very mild warming sensation. This activates the nervous system, increasing blood flow, and infusing the skin and muscles huh, with the analgesic properties of the herb, end quote. It is not that the suggestion of a form of acupuncture, moxibustion, is beneficial for low back pain. It's not. That's not what is concerning. It is the fanciful anatomy and physiology from a surgeon, no less. The best I can tell, the context in that last sentence is meaningless. I realize it is important to simplify when writing for a broad audience, but that, as a rule, should not include what appears to be fictional explanations. Hmm. Well, maybe the next suggestion is better. Using Rodolia rosea for stress relief. Mechanism, quote, an herb that increases the body's resistance to stress by reducing the levels of cortisol, unquote. Hmm. In humans, 
Rodolia Rosia, I'm probably pronouncing these wrong, prevents the release of exercise-induced cortisol. Maybe. It is not what one would call the most robust literature. It is always a curiosity when an alternative medicine proponent suggests treating a symptom, well, actually a sign, of the disease rather than the underlying cause. So allopathic of him. I lean towards the minimalist approach, towards altering non-pathologic body physiology. I do not recommend the treatment of fevers in most cases, as an example. Fevers are a beneficial response to infection, and it is a mistake to suppress them unless there is a compelling physiologic reason. I would wonder about the same of suppressing cortisol in response to stress. Is it beneficial to suppress the stress response, or, as is usually the case, a bad idea? Of course, he does recommend consuming the Rodelia rosia in a shot of vodka, and that would certainly reduce my stress. So, another swing and a miss. He's 0 for 2. One more strike, and Dr. Oz is out. The third suggestion, quote, Immunity boosters, Himalayan salt inhaler. If you find yourself run down, you need to boost your immunity, not the body's best line of defense against infection and disease. To help ward off infection, especially during the flu season, try a Himalayan salt inhaler? This ancient remedy, therefore good, a ceramic container filled with Himalayan salt crystals, hmm, the magic of the Himalayans, is used as an inhaler to calm and cleanse your airways. The salt draws soothing moisture into your mucous membranes, making them better able to clear irritants, end quote. Again, physiology appears to be fanciful. Calm and cleanse airways? What the hell does that mean? And he calls it an immunity booster, but the alleged effect has nothing to do with immunity but some odd mechanical effect. I know I expect too much to find logic and consistency in sites such as these, but I do like to see clear thoughts in my physicians. I would not pass any student who seriously tried to pass this explanation off as having anything to do with reality. PubMed reveals nothing on the Himalayan salt inhaler or surrogate search terms, but the first Google hit links back to Dr. Oz. I am sure he will ask them to desist. He has done that, evidently, with similar sites in the past, who say, quote, When you inhale through the mouthpiece, the passing moisture absorbs micron particles of this incredible, pure, bioenergetic and mineral-laden Himalayan pink salt that penetrates and cleanses the entire respiratory system, including the sinuses, nasal cavities, throat, and lungs. This salt air bath flushes impurities such as allergy and asthma triggers, smoke particulate, and other impurities that can distress the respiratory system. It's perfect for treating symptoms of allergies, shortness of breath, hay fever, cold, flu, bronchitis, sinus conditions, and other respiratory symptoms caused by mold, fungus, same thing, smoke, and pollution in the air. And they only use 250 million-year-old salt. 
the older the salt, I guess, the more bioenergetics. That's just page one. Three swings, three strikes. He is out. Page two is mostly dietary cheats. Foods that let you give in to cravings without harming your diet, as well as suggestions for light-based therapies for sleep that suggest Dr. Oz is up to date on his Green Lantern color core, if not his understanding that so much of the medical literature is wrong. He has a real penchant for extrapolating from every small, uncontrolled, unreproduced preliminary study to medical recommendations although perhaps I am giving him the benefit of the doubt. None of his recommendations are referenced, so I am assuming the papers and references I find are the same that Dr. Oz has read to make his recommendations. Maybe not. I must admit to a certain admiration for his ability to keep up in an obscure literature. There are maybe 50,000 infection-related articles last year in PubMed, I have read a fraction of those, mostly in the higher impact journals. For my half-hour podcast on infectious diseases, it takes four to six hours to find the 80 or so articles for each PUSCast, and another four to six hours to read them and record the podcast. To find the obscure references in low-impact journals, get a copy, read it, and then come up with a seal of approval must be a daunting amount of work even if you have a staff searching the literature for you. I am impressed. Plus, he does a TV show, and I don't know, does he still operate on people? Page three is the approved home remedies, and starts with a sentence I thought initially suggested the Oz family did not know the difference between a virus and a bacterium, which is not uncommon. Quote, the Oz family leans on alternative therapies and is more likely to reach for zinc before they reach for penicillin, end quote. Well, zinc is recommended for colds, a virus, and penicillin is usually used for streptococci, a bacteria. Of course, it is probably too much to expect an understanding of microbiology from someone who thinks inhaling ancient sea salt will prevent influenza. The before suggest equivalent options although perhaps I am misreading this sentence and it is in fact a comment on the epidemiology of infections in their household. There are some six remedies recommended I will take the time to comment on too. The first is a remedy for bruises. Quote, if applied before a bruise forms, arnica gel, a homeopathic remedy, will decrease bruising. It also acts like a topical anesthetic agent. Arnica is not a classic homeopathic preparation, where, like Oakland, there is no there there. Arnica gel actually has something in the product. 7% Arnica Montana. Isn't that a Miley Cyrus show? And the clinical trials on bruising have shown no effect for the most part. The other is Epsom salts for sore muscles. I prefer Epsom printers. He says Epsom salt is comprised of magnesium sulfate. When used in a bath, it is absorbed into the skin and relaxes the muscles? What? When I first read this, I thought, huh? The skin is a remarkably impermeable barrier. It is hard to get anything past the skin that does not involve a needle. And there is no way that a bath in Epsom salts will raise magnesium. 
but I went searching. And there is an internet report, never published in the peer-reviewed literature, never reproduced, that suggested 12 minutes in Epsom salts at 120 degrees, and I rarely get in a hot tub above 105, leads to an increase in blood magnesium, which is hardly the temperature of the standard bath. Assuming he has the same sources I do, I applaud Dr. Oz for making a recommendation based upon the most obscure and impractical reference imaginable. The fourth page is devoted to wheat germ. It's the wonder drug that works wonders. Wait, that's aspirin. And on page five, he endorses specific products for sagging skin and baggy eyes. Wait a minute. He actually endorses specific products by specific manufacturers. Oops. You need to update that fact, Dr. Oz. It says Dr. Oz does not endorse any brand name or commercial supplier. Except, of course, when he does. I sure hope he at least gets free product. The last page are two links to Dr. Oz's 48-hour weekend detox cleanse. Yeah, Dr. Oz, he wants you to get rid of those toxins. But do it the right way. And he provides a shopping list of foods and recipes that will clean out your toxin. And you know, I was unaware that, quote, you want to keep your colon flowing regularly since its main role is to flush out toxic chemicals before they can do you harm? End quote. Huh. In here, I thought the colon was used for water absorption and nutrient absorption. I tell you, cholera patients must be particularly toxin-free. Yet another piece of information suppressed in medical school. Wild extrapolations from minimal data, ignoring information that contradicts stamps of approval, I assume anyway, fanciful physiology and nonsense. The Dr. Oz seal of approval makes the AMA look positively fastidious in comparison. I know no secrets except moderation to a long and healthy life. Most of my life I do, I do for pleasure and the pleasure it provides. Life is short, and in the end, we will all return to the mud. So I might as well enjoy the journey. If you followed all the advice on Dr. Oz's site or the other alternative sites like Mercola or Weil, well, it looks like a lot of work with no enjoyment and minimal chance of benefit. The same ultimate payoff. This is some seals of approval I will pass on. Footnotes. Conflict of interest. To date, the only product of any sort I have ever accepted from an industry rep is a Fleet's Enema. When the Unison rep left my hospital, he sent me a Fleet's Enema with a Unison sticker on it. It sits unused in my office, should there ever be an emergency requiring its use. I do not even eat pizza at the conference. So I have no conflicts of interest, although, as I've said many times, I am interested in history and war, so I do have a lot of interesting conflicts. And I do have my growing multimedia empire where I sell an infectious disease guide. And as I learned at TAM, since I am the ID blogger for Medscape, and since Medscape is supported by advertisements, I am indirectly a big pharma shill. 
Never thought I'd see the day. And finally, a self-aggrandizing addendum. I was interviewed for the ER cast on vaccines and influenza, and it was posted this week. While I have not yet listened to it, I am sure that it is the feel-good romp of the season. And really, the world does need more Mark Chrislop. So the ER cast is available on iTunes. That ends the 80th QuackCast. References are available over at Science-Based Medicine. Visit me on iTunes and write my glowing review, because as you know, my fragile ego needs constant feeding. I doubt there will be another one in the year 2000, so I will see you in 2012, the year that the world is going to end. And with that in mind, I wish everyone a non-denominational generic seasonal greeting. I am so damn politically correct. See you next time. Bye.